Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number one ten. Yes. No more one O's, so it doesn't yes. does it, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same. But we're here, episode one ten, for the first ever MMA weekend preview show. Whoa, I'm flinging around <laughs> stuff in here. Now, everybody, calm down. Chill out. We're no, gonna explain. Yeah, yeah we're gonna explain. Well, Noah's gonna explain. <laughs> <laughs> So what we're kind of doing here is this isn't really going to change. Like It's going to come off like a drastic change, but I assure you guys that as far as the content you'll be getting, better it's change. all going to – yeah, it's just going to be a better way to kind of present the same information, yes. if you will. So we made a change a while back. You know, We spent like the first month or so as a UFC podcast, and then we transitioned into being an MMA podcast – and early on, I mean, it's just growing pains, right? So we have admitted that we've pretty much have only watched up until that point UFC content. Yeah. So it's been a, an adjustment to try to pick up Bellator, PFL, 1FC, Ryzen, like all these. At least at a close level to the yeah, UFC. Yeah, at least to like try to get it to where it makes sense that we're an MMA podcast instead of just being UFC, UFC still. And um, truthfully, like it's it's you guys recognize it. I mean, you look at the content up until this point. Every Friday is a preview for a UFC card. If a UFC card is not happening that weekend, we have not recorded an episode. And the Ooh. same with the recaps. So it's obvious that like our content still very much is intertwined with the UFC, even if we add it on you know, a Bellator fight announcement or a preview of a Bellator fight or a PFL fight into the news segment or whatever. Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're just kind of giving everything its own shine by kind of segmentizing everything. And you'll see how it works once we actually do it because we're implementing it in this episode. And this is kind of a rough go of things because this is a change that kind of got, we're kind of kind of sprung it, it on Dom. I sprung yeah. it on Dom today. So um it'll bear with us for this yeah for this one but it's going to look a lot cleaner moving forward we'll clean up some things see how it goes but all in all segmentizing everything kind of giving everything its own headline um fight announcements like the news is still going to be kind of the same but then some of those like what we call the rest of the news that's going to kind of give its own shine so like um for example if we talked about on a week like about dana white interview when he Mm -hmm. said something Rather than having that in the news, we would just transition from the news to it would have a headline like Dana White talks about fighter pay, whatever it is. And then we transition from that to a Bellator fight or a UFC fight, whatever it is. I guess the biggest change here is we're not limiting ourselves to just talking about these five or six main card UFC fights as a preview or recap. We're talking about the fights we want to talk about, the fights that you guys want us to talk about, and we're not going to waste your time by talking about fights that we are not ourselves interested in. There are other places that you might be able to find that, but it would be kind of a betrayal to ourselves to pretend like we're that interested in a Mm -hmm. certain fight if we're not. And um, you'll you'll get a gist of it, but I just wanted to – kind of lay the groundwork here so nobody's too confused as we get in. But before we kind of kick this off, Dom, I got to know, how was your week? My week, 
you know, we're coming to the close of we're halfway through June already. It's crazy, man. But it's been a good week. Uh, soaked up a lot of sun this week. I don't know. This light makes me look a little more pale. Maybe you're seeing know, some I red. Still, I still see it a little bit. Let's see it'll but, shine uh, off you. Hung out with my uh, at my uncle's pool, did some more golfing. We were actually out on the lake today, the first time in forever that I've had a chance to go out. So before I started recording with you, we were out there, had a good time. So it's just been a really good week, kind of hanging out with the family, creating some summer memories, quote unquote, all that fun stuff. But yeah, it's been a good week, man. What about you? Uh, same old man. I'm coming home tomorrow. Oh yeah, I might see Father, you. Yeah, Father's Day. <laughs> Uh, activities are going on, so I know tomorrow uh, I have I got to go into the office tomorrow first thing. So I'm gonna get off at 4:30. I'm gonna go straight home back to old Carlisle, and uh, I'm gonna stay with my dad Friday night. He wants to go to a bar and get uh -oh. trashed. So, uh -oh. yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just gonna let you know. You know, I consider myself to be a pretty pretty good drinker i feel like i can really look, throw him back you know as the kids say but then there's todd but then there is <laughs> there is my dad who pretty much every time we've ever drank together has gotten me to puke so he kicks your ass he really does man <laughs> he he does it every time now i did get him last time he came to my turf he came to ah. my to bg and i got him to basically be like a zombie leaving the bar so <laughs> That was, you know, fireball shots or what you did them that time. So I'm gonna come come lock and loaded this time. Yeah. Regardless, Saturday, my mom's dad is uh we're having like a my mom's family's coming over to our house for like a, a grill out and it's all for like you know her dad. So it'll be good to see him. Um Saturday night, hopefully I'll be coming to your place to watch the fights. I'll be waiting. And then Sunday take dad out to dinner so it'll be nice to be home i probably yeah. won't stay past um sunday or maybe monday or so so it'll be a short trip but mm -hmm. you know always nice to just kind of catch in or check mm -hmm. up on everybody you know yeah for sure and quick question since oh. i might be seeing you saturday yeah did the did the salee pool get built yet delayed due to weather uh, today I, I knew, the I knew we were recording this we were supposed to have a hole in the ground oh. so uh, it has been delayed Probably a week or so, which I've is been, unfortunate. So I've been telling Dom for <laughs> weeks at this point. I said, I'm, I'm going to come over and I'm just going to jump jump in the pool. Jump right in from the, the deck. Yeah, off the off the second story, whatever. And, you know, you, I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm a pretty large person. So <laughs> it, it, would not, uh, it would not be a silent jump. Oh, it, it would be an absolute showcase of your abilities. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So you'll have to delay that for your next trip back. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. I think we'll just go ahead and transition into today's edition of The News. The News. We start with a sad one. A sad one for this otherwise triumphant episode. Yes. Max Holloway, he's blessed, but in this case... Not he's so up, blessed. He's upset. Yeah. <laughs> he's out of his July 17th main event with Yair Rodriguez due oh, to an man. injury. The UFC looking to rebook this fight, so it's kind of nice to know we have some direction there rather than is Yair Rodriguez going to get a late replacement or whatever. Yeah. Um, this sucks. It sucks. And we talked about I, it on Wednesday. How excited we were for it. <laughs> I know. And I guess my, my question here, you know, obviously it sucks that this fight's not happening on July 17th. And we don't know how severe this injury is as of this recording. Yeah. So this is going to be a lot of speculation. 
forewarning. But if this is, ends up being like a significant layoff for Max Holloway, which if they're rebooking it, hopefully it's not. But if it is, did Max Holloway kind of screw himself by taking this fight? Because the UFC uh. want this fight to happen at this point. But what if he's not ready to go till like the end of the year? Right. But by that point, he should be looking at a potential title fight with the winner of Volkanovski Ortega. So yeah. the whole reason he's kind of stuck with this Yair Rodriguez fight is because of the timing of him fighting in January. And then their fight, the title fight got delayed due to COVID and then the yep. ultimate fighter. So, you know, Max Holloway, hopefully this isn't a long-term injury, right? Because otherwise we might be, he might be screwed for a while. Yeah, that would be awful, man. And for even on the flip side for Yair, a guy that's been out for so long anyway, and getting himself into trouble with USADA and all that, whatever. <laughs> but now he was finally going to come back, get that number one contender fight, and he doesn't even get it. So now he's even kind of screwed where he just sits in lingo because they're not just going to give him a title fight. He gets into too much like too much stuff goes on behind the scenes with Yair that we don't even know about, I'm sure. They're not just going to give him the shot because Max is injured. Yeah, let's put it like this. He, he doesn't come off like the easiest guy to work with. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. This injury to Max, it sucks. I am I got a Max Holloway hoodie right there in the closet I'll be wearing on this podcast. But if you're E-gay and Korean zombie, we're going to obviously talk about it. It's the main event of UFC Vegas 29. You got a lot more incentive all of a sudden for your main event this Saturday. So, I like that. I like yeah, that. man, it, it's, it's all bad at the end of the day for Yair and uh, Max. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. It's undisclosed, quote-unquote, for now. But a guy that's been so durable throughout his career and known for that, to see him pull out with an injury, it's like, hmm, this is strange. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. Best of luck to Max and his recovery. And, of course, for Yair, I don't know what to tell you, actually. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck. luck when the fight happens. Because we can't my... even bring in Zabit now because yeah. he's going through stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I guess if they're looking to rebook it, that makes me think that maybe it's not too a, bad. This is a minor enough injury to where maybe it's a month or two yeah. setback, which, if anything, kind of helps Max in his timing because then he'll be lined pretty much right up with the title. Yeah, fight. because the title fights in September, and so. obviously he has to win. And I don't want to pretend yeah. like Yair Rodriguez is some slouch. I'm just saying, yeah, if he wins, like I'm sure he's expecting to, it would make sense at that point to book him in a title fight and line right. up perfectly. Exactly. Moving on from there, two weeks later on July 31st, this was a weird one. Came out uh, of nowhere. Because we talked about our new flyweight champion, Brandon Moreno, on Monday and Wednesday. And we both had one name in mind as, like, the next guy up. Yeah. That was Askar Askarov. But little did we know, (laughs) under our noses, the UFC booked him in a title eliminator, I would assume, with uh, number four, Alex Perez. So this is a weird one, right? Yeah, I mean, I love the fight. I just thought he was going to get a title fight. It's a great fight. Both guys that are very talented on the ground. Yeah, Alex Perez has some really good leg kicks. You know, he he worked that. He put on a showcase against, I believe, Pantoja. Oh yeah, kicks. But uh, that's actually going to be. I'll let you give your thoughts on the fight. But Pantoja, who's sitting here without a matchup right now, just to be clear, has a win over Brandon Moreno in his UFC career. <laughs> Are the UFC going to potentially book Brandon hey, Moreno, Alexandre Pantoja? I wouldn't be upset after that performance he just had in his last fight with Manel Cape. That's for yeah, sure. That's um, in terms of Ascar versus Perez, Ascar is going to grind it out, look to grind it out. He's known for that grapple-heavy approach. He looked amazing 
in that fight against Joseph Benavides. And for Perez, he's super well-rounded. He's kind of can get the job done anywhere the fight takes place. But again, a guy like Askarov has that next level grappling, you know, that Habib style grappling, that yeah. Mavzar Ivloev type grappling. Yes, he so does. Per- Perez is going to want to probably keep this on the feet. He's a very powerful guy, as you mentioned, has stopped fights via leg kicks. So it should be a good fight. You would think title eliminator because if you're Perez, it's not Davison that you would challenge for the belt now. It would be Moreno. So, and obviously Askar, he should already be fighting for a title. So if he wins this, it's definitely got to be a title next, surely, for him. So I like what you mentioned about Pantoja, though, kind of just waiting silently in the wings. So, yeah, it's a good fight, though. I'm excited for it. Yeah, if anything, this is just making it more clear to me that Davison should not get an immediate rematch for this title. No. I know that that's maybe the best for – business if you want to talk about money wise or whatever but um i just think when you have someone like pantoja who's waiting who has a win over moreno yeah and then you got askrov and perez who are about to battle it out at the end of july yeah to really kind of really they're fighting for the front of the line there so i mean when you have two potential contenders coming out at the end of the summer i don't think you need davison doesn't need that fight right now and right he needs to go up 10 pounds he's just yep. too yeah He's too big for this division. Exactly. Anyways, we're going to pivot to some Bellator news. We had two big fights, Our, I would assume, our main event and co-main event for Bellator 263 oh, happening man. the same day on July 31st. Co-main <clears throat> event, though, title eliminator probably, presumably. The winner looking like they'll be the first title defense for Mr. Sergio Pettis. Number three, Magomed Magomedov versus number four, Raphael Stotts. Raphael Stotts. You guys, can correct, you guys can correct me. You're the name guy, remember? <laughs> yeah. But uh, big. this is a big one for us. Oh, yeah. We've been following Magomedov since he got signed. We've talked about, about him as a free agent. Yeah, yeah. This is only his third UF, uh, excuse me, third Bellator, Bellator fight. Uh, Stotts has got uh, four Bellator fights as of now, so it would be number five for him. These guys come in with a combined 34-2 and two record. That's insane. Both with both with their individual losses being the very notable UFC opponents. Yeah. Magomedov with Jan and vice versa. Yeah, and true. Stott's got knocked out by uh, Davalish Fili, who oh. we'll, actually, we'll be talking about in a little bit. So both guys that are very good grapplers. We've seen Magomedov put on showcase. Yeah, man. Um, he's obviously, since we've talked about him on here, he's been a guy we've actually went out of our way to watch even early on in this podcast. While for Stotts, maybe not the guy that um, – maybe doesn't have quite the hype that Magomedov does, mm-hmm. but he's a dangerous opponent. For and sure. I think this fight is really a toss-up, and anybody who convinces himself otherwise uh, might be You're disappointed. Crazy. Might yeah. be disappointed. This should literally, as you said, probably a number one contender fight for the title uh, at the newly crowned champ, Sergio Pettis at 135 pounds. That's a very exciting fight. Sometimes those grappler versus grappler matchups can be just as exciting, mm-hmm. whether they're on the feet or if they're going through all the crazy grappling transitions. That's going to be a banger of a co-main event. Yeah, if Stotts can keep that fight off the ground, like if he can stay off his back, I actually would maybe favor him in the stand-up. In stand the stand-up, yeah. So uh, that's where that fight gets really interesting, in my opinion. But the main mm. event mm. for Bellator 263, it's the finals Grand Prix comes to a close. The featherweight Grand Prix finale, Patricio Pitbull defends his Bellator featherweight title against the rightful contender, the rightful number one, 
AJ McKee, yep. Dominic. We've we've said this a couple times. This is this is our this is Bellator's like Stipe and DC three. Yeah, this where, is one of their biggest fights in a long time. It might not. I don't know what it's gonna do like numbers wise, but in terms of competition, in terms of the mm-hmm. reasons we love the sport, this might be their biggest title fight they've ever had. Yep. I agree. And, I, and I'm so on board with this because if AJ McKee wins this fight, you're talking about a superstar, superstar. in the making, yep. which is something Bellator has drastically been looking for. A guy who didn't already come to them as a star from the UFC or a guy like Kimbo Slice who never really quite had the, the fighting prowess to back yep. up his personality and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a guy like AJ McKee with the win here becomes, I think, a superstar. Patricio Pitbull, don't get me wrong, a star in his own right, probably the best fighter in Bellator history. Oh, yeah. But this is, it's clear to me that um, – His biggest challenge is right here. Yes. AJ this, is, for, in, this, this fight is incredible, I think. It, and you can't really have two more well-rounded fighters on that whole Bellator roster than these two guys right here. Exactly. I mean, this, this title fight is nuts. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like the fact that we are over the hill excited for a Bellator main event Saying and, a lot, you know, this isn't even just like because we're doing a podcast and we got to talk about like all these promotions. No, this is no, like this is legit, legitimate excitement, which yeah. is not something that even if we weren't doing this podcast, I think we would be super excited about this main event. And I would probably be talking about it with you right now. Yeah, and that's something that I think I can say we've never really had in our years of watching together. Yeah, we've never gotten over the hill excited about a Bellator fight. Yeah. And here they got something. So I mean, hopefully this is literally a fight I would have people come over for. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And hopefully, and like when you stack it with the co-main, yep. like Magomedov and Stotts, uh, shout out Bellator, man. I, they, they're doing some really good things right now. A lot of their cards have been actually kind of killer. So hopefully the, the trail of good luck continues for them and these fights live up. I uh, can't wait to watch them. Yeah. 2021 is the great year for Bellator. Mm-hmm. A week after that, UFC 265 is taking place. Going to be in Texas. Oh, it yeah. is? That's, this is that's, uh, Nunez versus um, Pena. I think, I believe Dana said, I, <laughs> fact check me on this, people. <laughs> I believe they're going back to Texas. I, I think that's what Dana made clear because they're looking. They've been looking to try to get Ngannou Lewis on there, and you know, oh, Jeff yeah, Lewis yeah. from Texas. So, the fights that have been announced for this card, though, we start with a rematch: Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Um, I'm very excited for this fight because Torres looks to be just career surgeons. Yeah, she looks to be re-energized, re-motivated, whatever you want to call it. She has three or four in a row. She looks very good right now. A lot better than even she did in the first fight with Angela yeah. Hill. And I think you can say the same for Hill. Angela Hill, even if her record doesn't say it, we talk about this a lot, even if her record doesn't say it, she just she's always kind of – she's outperforming her expectations. You know? Her fights she's, are always fantastic. She's wow. always in great fights. You know, that fight with Michelle Watterson, she technically lost, but it was so close. I mean, talk about this woman's – I don't know how many split decision losses she has. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as just how many decision losses she has that are so close, it's – I mean, there's nobody else that compares. Oh, no, not close. So, so her record doesn't tell the full story. And 
this is a fight that she lost the first time. Yeah. Both women come in here super improved, super motivated. Um, I think this is a really fun fight. I don't know if it'll sneak on to the main card, but I would like to see it on there. And um, I just think that it's a very fun fight. Unfortunately, your girl, Amanda Hivas, it looks like they have pivoted away yeah. from her and Angela Hill, which if you want to talk, if you want to elaborate on maybe what that means for Hivas and her recovery, but what do you think about this fight overall? I think the fight in general, this was supposed to happen already earlier this year, fell through. Angela Hill goes on to fight someone else. Tisha goes on to fight someone else as they do. Angela Hill fights like 18 times a year anyway. Then we know Hill was supposed to fight Hebos. That fight fell through due to Amanda testing positive for COVID. Obviously, shout out to Amanda Hebos, my girl. Huge fan of her. Hopefully she gets uh, rested up. Apparently maybe COVID hit her a little worse or maybe the traveling maybe played a factor, something like that. But Hill always wanting to fight. Tisha on a resurgence. This is a fantastic top 15 ranked matchup here. Winner, obviously, Tisha might already be top 10. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Angela Hill always on the cusp of cracking in. It should be a fun fight. Like you said, maybe main card, maybe prelims. But I'm sure it will deliver no matter what because Tisha's last performance may have been her best performance of her professional career. And Hill coming off of another win but had the fight of the year contender with Watterson last year. It's going to be a good fight. That's a great way to kind of really put paint the picture there for those two is that they're both coming off of just fantastic performances, and it yeah. just speaks to kind of the where mentally they are, and it's showing in their actual performances too. Yeah, and you know what? I can guarantee you'll be on the main card, Noah. <laughs> this, this next fight. fight you're about to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead and introduce it. Oh, I stole your thunder. I'm sorry. I just no, I got no, eight. I, I saw it up hey, there. I'm like, this is this is our show. So you this is our show. So you take Listen, it. Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa, number five, number six, striker grappler, but even though Luque's a stud on the ground, don't you forget right. about it. Mm-hmm. This is the fight. This is the fight. Two guys, by the way, that depending on how they win, could very well hopscotch everybody in front of them and fight Kamar Usman because both are fresh matchups for the champion. I love everything about this fight. It caught me off guard for whatever reason, but it makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Yeah, you're you're a little right about that. I, I was definitely caught a little off guard. I thought maybe these two would hold out just to see kind of where, you know, because Usman, C- Colby has not technically been booked as of now. And then you had Leon uh, having – well, it was a good win over Nate Diaz, but, you know, obviously I, I, I spoke a little bit on Monday about, yeah. you know, it, it was a win, but like the last guy, minute didn't help his the case. The poor guy <laughs> just like with one minute out, yeah. out of, after a 24 minute showcase, that just last minute yeah. was might have been enough to like prevent him from really have being able to just wait it out. Well, and Usman was a guy that had mentioned Kiesa as like maybe he should be next. He's undefeated at welterweight 4 0. And Ali was talking about it and stuff. Ali said that he mentioned Luke as well. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about that and this or that. I think I gave you those two. Yeah, yeah. Um, This fight, I think, is really good on paper. And these are two guys that quietly rose to the top of the heap here at Welterweight. Kiesa, kind of a fixture at this point of the top Mm ten. He's always been kind of that back half guy that we we spoke about this when he fought Neil Magny, where could never quite get over to hump. That's just been his problem. And um, he does look really good in this division, which I think that is a big part of his success. Is that 155 he, was too much of a cut. Yeah, it's too much of a cut. 170 he looks a lot better at. Um, for Luke, 
he definitely quietly jumped up here. I mean, that win over Tyron Woodley, killer, man. what a one-round fight that was. I know Tyron Woodley, not the same guy he was when he was champion, but that was a Tyron. That was the best Tyron Woodley. He took out seen. Tyron Woodley. That was the yeah. best Tyron Woodley we had seen since he lost the belt. Yeah, and Vicente got him out of there in a round, choked yeah. him out. By the way, yeah. yeah. Um, this fight's awesome. I'm glad that the two guys that are kind of the two dark horses in this division right now just said, "All right, you know, the Let's rest of these this. guys, yeah. yeah, the rest of these guys, you know, they're all holding out, hoping for yeah. men to give them a chance. We're That's just going to fight each other, and we're just going to see who's who's next." You know? Exactly. Because exactly. I really do believe there's a good chance the winner of this fight, I think, so. gets, a, gets a title shot. I really, I do. really do. Yeah. A lot of it's going to be timing, but. True. We'll see if Usman fights Colby or where Leon fits in. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that adds some stakes to this fight. Knowing oh, that. oh yeah. And then next up, we're heading a month later. The big boys. UFC 266 happening September 25th. And let me just say, I don't want to shit on these two because they're good fighters. I'm just glad this isn't a – Fight night headliner. We got Curtis Blades versus Jairzinho Rosenstroik. No disrespect to you two. Rosenstroik coming off a very good performance against Augusto Sakai. Curtis yeah. Blades was on a really having a really good performance against Derek Lewis, but and know, then the uppercut happened. <laughs> one shot power. But otherwise, that looked like it might have been a really fun fight if it had continued, especially yeah. for Blades, who typically gets kind of labeled as a bit of a boring fighter. Um, so jokes aside about that, but I'm I'm glad to see these guys getting a chance to shine here on a pay-per-view main card. And the fight itself, I will say, might be might not be the most fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Because Rosenstreich's ground game is green, to say the least. Um, not that he's been there a lot. But, but we're talking Curtis Blades here. Yeah, and this is Curtis Blades, who is just as good as they come as a wrestler. The and best all-around wrestler in the yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure unless unless I unless I haven't seen where maybe he signed a new contract, this is the last fight of his deal with the UFC. Ooh. So you got a guy that's coming in here probably very motivated to either one, earn a nice check with the UFC to come back, or to kind of showcase his skill set to the other promotions. Going into free agency. Watching. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is a guy that's probably going to be looking to maybe even get a finish here. And Rosenstreich, he looked good against Sakai. He really, did. he's looked good outside of his two high-profile losses. which was And the, one shouldn't even count because the there's 20 seconds. The 22nd KO to Nganu and then that kind the of Ngani slog. fight was the more, Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a slog, you know, it's – but the, these are starting to look more and more, Outliers. especially the Gane one. It looks more and more like an outlier because you look at what he did to like Junior Dos Santos. He yes. steamrolled him. And then against Sakai, I know we're not big on Sakai, but really, I mean, he Sakai is at least somewhat durable. I mean, he went four or five rounds with Alistair Overeem. Yeah. And uh, Rosenstreich got him out of there in a round. So. Guys and it was crazy all Rosenstreich in that fight, too. You yes, know, the yes, whole five minutes yes. was. It's a striker versus grappler. It's a huge <laughs> test for both guys. Of course, curious how that'll play out. Yeah. And uh, do you think that I'm maybe underestimating this fight, or do you, do you have similar sentiments? No, I see the sentiment. Uh, it could be really fun with a stoppage, or 
It could be really long, drawn out. We've seen Blades do it with other guys. Why couldn't he do it here with Rosenstroik? And mm-hmm. if Rosenstroik comes out and is hesitant on the feet, which I don't think he will be after what we just saw, it could definitely turn into a dull bout. But I'd like to at least stay on the positive side for now, a few months out. So Yeah. No, it's definitely it's, yes, important, I see it. it's an important fight. Yes. Even if and I don't know if you want to let to go into this a little bit. The winner is still probably going to be in a pretty awkward spot uh, for the time being. It's kind of just a win to be like, okay, I'm in, at least in front of this guy. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm at least in front of Rosenstreak or I'm at least in front of Blades. But then you got Ngannou as champion who has beat both of these guys. <laughs> and yeah. then you got Stipe, John Jones. It's an awkward front pack. And then you got Gon and Volkov who I think – might jump in front of them depending on if especially if gone wins i think uh there's a good chance gone might be jumping in front of uh yeah. these two, but um i'll say for if you're rosenstroik for blades you're in a bad spot because both guys fighting for the belt next is Nganu and lewis and they both have beat you combined mm-hmm. three times but for rosenstroik you're really rooting for Derek lewis because if lewis can beat Nganu, rosenstroik if he puts on a professor impressive performance against blades then we could be talking a fresh matchup maybe just maybe yeah good point good point the other fight announced for this ufc 266 card marlon Marais. i love this fight i love this fight but man marlon Marais, this guy's just not getting any easy bouts here no and he's going up against marab balishvili we know all about we've documented really the life cycle of this podcast has showcased Marlon Marais's kind of struggles, his downfall, yeah. if you will. And damn his, near Marab's rise. And yeah, and Marab's rise for the sure. Last few I mean, fights. Yeah. Um, that went over John Dodson was the very first pay-per-view we went over. So yeah. uh, kind of crazy how far we've come there. But um, this fight, you get a guy in Marlon Marais who his chin has just not been holding up his last few fights. He gets crazy spinning wheel kick. Knocked out by uh, Corey Sanhagen. Yeah. And then you got the Rob Bont fight where early takedown success didn't stick. And he kind of just – he got he got put out with not really the the most powerful of punches. Right. Um, and then before that, you know, he had a split decision, I think, or maybe it was a unanimous win over Jose Aldo. But whether you thought he won or not, just not the most convincing performance in the world. And then before that was when he lost to Henry Cejudo. For it's a different Marlon ever since he lost to Cejudo. It is. It is. And here he goes up against Balishvili, who I think I can at least say with some confidence, and I and I could be proven wrong about this, that I don't think Marab is going to be able to knock out Marlon Marais. Right. At least, you know, based on his skill set, he shouldn't be too worried about Marab being able to knock him out. Where Marab does his work is in the grappling, yep. and he's just such a mauler there. A grinder, man. And you saw Marais, it looked like in the Rob Font fight, he was looking to kind of try to, you know, for a while there, he had been this, like, guy that would just not, like, this power puncher of a bantamweight, essentially. Yeah. Walk you down, knock you out. Um, just a scary individual. And then in, his chin hasn't held up, and you saw in the fought fight, it looked like he was maybe starting to try to come out to grapple. Come out to grapple, maybe that early takedown too. Much in a weird way, him and Cody Garbrandt appear to be kind of in similar spots where they mm-hmm. both against Rob Font, they tried to really put on more grappling, 
Um, and maybe that would be kind of the blueprint moving forward for them since their chins haven't right. always held up. But now you're going up against Valishvili, who can't grapple against this guy. Can't grapple against this guy. So good luck if you try. So if you keep the fight standing, good because you should have a an edge in the stand up, especially power wise. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you're going up against a guy who's hard to put away. He's hard to knock out, and you know if if he if he lands even a soft jab, is Marlon Rice just not is his chin not gonna be able to hold up? I mean, the punch by Font was very. It was like the slightest of jabs that just yeah. kind of knocked him down. That's what worries me. Yeah, and if momentum is any indicator, I mean, Marab really riding a high right now. He's on a tear, a huge win streak, getting his biggest chance. I mean, they're catapulting him into a former title challenger here against Marlon Rice. I think he's still ranked number six. Yeah. So if Marab wins here, it clearly shows the ceiling that the UFC believes he has, and I agree. I think this guy can make it all the way to that title shot. And he's just going to keep getting better, too. I mean, you look at the camp he trains with, Aljamain Sterling, Ray Longo up there. So as much as I hate to say it, because I do love Marlon, a fan-favorite guy, the momentum, it's surely on Davalishvili's side right now. I think uh, we do a good job of kind of evaluating momentum. Mm-hmm. Some people might think it's a bit overstated or maybe even undervalued, but I look at kind of how we value it. I mean, I think we look at it very much at face value. Marais has lost three of his last four. Valishvili is probably one. I don't know what his winning streak is. Shoot, at least five or six. Yeah. I mean, it's there's no question that mentally that's got to play a factor. It's just got to. I would if you look at us, if you think if we were if we were in that their situations, you would be less confident if you're the guy who's lost three of his last four. Especially yeah. if you're getting knocked out like Marlon unfortunately has, versus if you're Marab who you're pretty much 30-27 everybody right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obvious who's, who's going to be more confident. It's just can Marlon Rice kind of hone in, kind of put that all aside and really take a step backwards, I guess, if you will, into what he used to be, what used to be, what got him to the dance, right? Exactly. But um, that's going to otherwise wrap it up for today's edition of The News. The News. So let's get into our headlines here, Dominic. A couple headlines. Well, one headline, I suppose. <laughs> I know this one's going to be interesting for you. So teaching an old dog new tricks, and that's because we are talking about you know, Anderson the Spider Silva. Who is talked about him on Wednesday, too. Yes, we did. And he is returning to boxing this weekend, this Saturday, for the first time since 2006 in about – with Julio Cesar, Cesar Chavez Jr., who's, whose dad is the main event, by the way, at 58 yes. years old. Yeah, we love boxing right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, this is weird because we don't talk about a lot of boxing on here. But when it's Anderson Silva, who you said on Wednesday, your favorite fighter of all time. I know, and I still don't I gotta, talk about I gotta, it. <laughs> I, no I one gotta, made me do this. <laughs> I got to get your thoughts on not only this fight, because we know it's just it, it's a weird kind of – you know, it's in this weird mold of all these boxing fights going on right now where it's a lot of it's the celebrity, weird boxing, weird yeah. thriller stuff. You can throw this in there, too, with like the Tyson, Holyfield, yeah. yeah, all this stuff. So not not necessarily like what your thoughts are on this fight, but Anderson, Anderson Silva seems so excited about this this opportunity. Is this where we see him now at 45, 46, just kind of doing these 
high profiled, but otherwise kind of the eh, boxing fights, or are we ever going to see him return to MMA with maybe a one FC or a Ryzen or someone like that? You know, I feel like he is done with MMA. I truly do believe that he now for anyone that doesn't know, Anderson Silva has been talking about boxing for years and years and years. I mean, this was a huge thing. When he was on a tear in the UFC on that huge win streak, they always had talked about him versus Roy Jones Jr. That was the fight that everyone wanted to happen, and it never accumulated to anything. So I'm happy for Silva and one end that he gets to go and finally do what he's wanted to do for so many years. (laughs) I respect him for that. The competitive fire is still there. I respect it. But you're 45 years old. Your chin has shown to have some issues lately. I know it's in four-ounce gloves. It's an MMA fight. I get it. But when you're fighting another guy here in Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who's a super experienced boxer, I just, it just worries me to the extent that I just don't want to see the guy take punishment that doesn't need to be taken. He's a legend of not just MMA but combat sports. That's how big Anderson Silva is. So if he comes out here and puts on a great show – I guess I can eat my words a little bit. I don't doubt that he's going to come out and look bad. I think he will show some things. I mean, this is one of the best strikers we've ever seen in the UFC and in combat sports. But it's at the end of the day, there's no kicks. There's no elbows. There's no clinch. This is a boxing match. So I don't know, man. Part of me is kind of happy that he still wants to go out there and prove something. Part of me is like I just am really hesitant to see him go out there and maybe get hurt. I don't know. I Overall, I just don't really like it. I don't. I stop. I get I, it. I get it. It's like you kind of. It's a love hate. Personally, like personally, you don't like it. Yeah. But how are you? Who are you, kind of, to tell someone when they're when it's their yeah. time or when they yeah. need to stop? If you feel um, like you got it in you, then go do it. I guess. I mean, my only thing with this with this specific fight is that uh, his opponent Chavez Jr. is, I believe, ten years younger than him. Yeah. And. 60 and five, I want to say, as a pro boxer. I mean, a lot of experience. It's a lot of experience. And, like, not that Chavez Jr., you know, he's not his dad. He's not quite one of the best boxers of all time or anything. But, right. Um, he's still just a very experienced guy. He's done it. I mean, 60 wins. That I don't care who you're boxing, it's still impressive. And um, I don't know. Anderson Silva, I believe, is one and one as a boxer. Last box in 2006, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's been all MMA ever since. I'll just be – I guess I'll be curious to see how he looks. And if he if he does look okay, then, I mean, I'm not going to judge or I guess I'm not going to – like when we if we have to have this conversation again yeah. in six or eight months because he's boxing somebody else. But if he looks good here, I probably won't even address it. I'll probably just be like, you know what, do your thing. Silva, um, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna sit here and bitch and moan about it, right? As long as he's, you know, making some money and um, doing what he wants to do, he does seem very excited about it. So, yeah, um, genuinely hard, happy. You can yeah, see, which it. I like to see that for him, you know. Yeah, yeah. What's next? That's it. I, I guess. We got, well, yes, but I've. That's it for but, like all the I news mean, is done. Yeah, I meant – well, I meant what's next. Like, what's the next headline? Oh. Just go ahead and put it up. Let there be blood, my yeah. friend. Let there be blood. So our main event for UFC Vegas 29 is a big fight at featherweight. 
the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung makes his long-awaited return. Mm. He's going up against a very hungry challenger, Dan 50K EG. Dominic, break it down for these two. Ladies and gentlemen, we got two top ten featherweights looking to rise to the occasion. Number four ranked Korean Zombie. Number eight ranked Dan Ige. Korean Zombie, you've probably heard of him. If you haven't, here's a little rundown. He's 16 and six, six and three in the UFC. He's got six KO TKOs, eight submissions. That's 14 out of 16, 10 of which have came in the first round. Right now in 2021, he is now 34 years old. He's 5 feet 7 inches tall with a 72-inch reach. In the blue corner, we've got Dan Ige, 15 wins, 3 losses, 7-2 and two in the UFC. Got his contract off of the Contender Series, 1-0 there. Four KO TKOs, five submissions, six of those nine in the first round. The younger of the two coming in here at 29 years old, he's also five foot seven. And he has a 71-inch reach. So, Noah, we know that this fight's going to be brutal. We know it's going to be violent. It's a fan-friendly fight if I've ever seen one. I mean, for God's sake, we made the title of this headline, Let There Be Blood, for a reason. Why did we do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, these these are two guys that they always come to put on a good show. Uh, Ige, really the last year, this guy has basically took off. Yeah. I mean, he's really went for it. He te- he had that win over Edson Barboza, which was very, you know, we both, I think, thought Barboza won the fight. But you look at what Barboza's doing right now, and it's it's like the fact that he was in a close enough fight with him, it's like, okay, these both these guys are just really good. Yeah, And then he follows that up by jumping into a main event spot with Calvin Cater, loses that fight, but I think overall – it was a good learning experience from him because, and, and for the fans to see this guy who, for five rounds, I mean, he took a lot of damage in that fight, but just never was out of it. Even yeah. when he lost, he lost like four rounds to one or something like that. But uh, he was never quite out of the fight. He was always in there, landing some good shots on Cater. Um, and then after that, that 18 second knockout. Right. I mean, come on, man. That's perfect. A, the fight, that, of the a fight. fight that I thought he might lose. Gavin Tucker going into that fight was undefeated. Gavin so. Tucker is a very good prospect. At least I guess you can still call him that. And I really thought there was a good chance Gavin Tucker might pounce on the opportunity. But Ige puts him away in 18 seconds, man. Unreal. So this is another fight where we talked about just a little bit ago, momentum. Ige is red hot right now. Yep. Obviously, the UFC got to love this guy because he is really kind of leading the charge for these veterans of the Tuesday night contender. Dana White's got to be hoping that one of these guys that comes off the contender fights for a belt, wins a title, because that just helps the branding of the show. Same with the ultimate fighter when, like, Forrest Griffin won a title, stuff like that. You just, it helps, it lends itself to better recruitment for that show and better ratings, all that. All of it. So, you know, they love EA. But they also love Korean Zombie because this guy's got to have one of the most fan-friendliest styles there is. He's been going doing it for so long, yet like so little fights it seems. Well, he I mean, these have guys like have the a, same amount of UFC fights. You know? I believe he had a four-year hiatus because he had yeah a mandatory military service. Yeah, so 
that took out a big chunk of his growth. But to see him come back and his return bout was against Hinato Moicano, who at that yeah. time was one of the bigger prospects in the division, puts him away with these. And he's Sorry. just not he's not slowed down up until the big one was against Brian Ortega in October, I want to say. Um, that was a fight we were both like thinking this is a fight of the year yes. type fight. Yeah. And Ortega just more shot. like performance of the year. Yeah. You know? I mean, just outclassed him for five rounds. And in some ways, you know, as good of a performance as it was for Ortega, I was equally as disappointed with how with zombie the, looked. With the zombie, how the zombie looked in that fight. And I guess that's where I stand right now. It's Korean zombie is 34. He 34. Said. Yep. So he's not getting any younger. I mean, this is we're we're a little bit past our prime at this point, but it's still, you know, he's still really good. But he's going up against Ige, who is just hmm. at probably the best we're gonna see of Ige potentially. I don't know. He could keep I mean, I'm sure he's gonna keep improving, but like as far as putting it all together, momentum, the UFC being behind him, it feels like this is his time. Yeah. Can the zombie over at o- overcome that? I'm sure he can, but I think it's a taller – I think it's an uphill battle for him right now. I really do. Yeah, let me tell you, too, there's no chance this fight goes to the ground unless someone's ass is getting knocked out. <laughs> this is going to be stand-up for as long as it lasts, back-and-forth battle. Ige, by the way, i got to mention it. Love this dude, by the way. I've been listening to every interview this week. There's some about Dan Ige. He's really pulling me in. And uh, – Newly found dad strength, Noah. We can't slip that up in the podcast. This man is coming in with new powers for crying out loud. So he's got that newly found motivation. It seems cliche to talk about these days, but we've seen Cowboy Cerrone, one of the best examples, when their newly found fatherhood finds them in their life. Look what Cowboy did. So it really is that extra sense of motivation to where I want to be a role model for my child. I want to put food on the table. I'm not letting you take this away for, from their future. And so I'm interested to see how Ige will come out and perform uh, due to that. He's been in camp this whole time. He literally got the phone call to fight Zombie two days before his son was born, which is crazy. Uh, and then for Zombie, man, can he bounce back? A guy that's not getting younger, as you mentioned. Didn't really show us much in the fight against Ortega, but we know how talented this man is. One of the only twister submissions in UFC history, the first ever that had happened. So maybe the fight will go to the ground. Who am I to say? (laughs) But, um, yeah, this fight, man, it's such an incredible main event. When this fight got announced, you just knew this is the fight to make. It makes all the sense in the world uh, in terms of rankings, where their careers are going right now, and stylistically, it's beautiful chaos. No, I don't think we've said it in a few episodes. (laughs) I'm throwing it out right now, baby. This main event has it written all over. And honestly, if if Ige wins this fight, I think he might he might really be in the driver's seat for a potential title shot. Again, I'm telling you, with that Max thing, yeah, it's possible. But that's that's the big uh, the big um, I don't know what you would call it. I guess it's we're just unsure of kind of how that plays in. Yeah. How serious is the injury? How long are we talking before we see Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez? Because if it's long enough, it opens the door for one of these two yep. to really, if they put on a, a big performance here, to really grab it. You know, and this is the kind of fight that's on paper should be uh, not necessarily a showcase like Ortega did against Zombie. This should be violence personified, and 
both of these guys should come out of this fight looking fantastic. Yep. But whoever gets their hand raised is ultimately going to be the one potentially fighting for a title next. And that's just that adds to the stakes of this fight. I mean, it's, it's it makes it a very important main event. Now, if we want to transition and talk about the rest, the rest of this card doesn't quite hold up to this fight. No, honest. there's this fight, and then the you know those tier lists that are popular right now. Yeah. This would be all the way up in all of these. Uh, yeah. So, but to be expected, I mean, the main events obviously on these fight nights are always going to be a step up, but it, this one in particular, you know, the rest of this card just doesn't quite hold up to that that level of a main event. We'll start with the co-main event. We got an experience just the what, boa a, what a crazy dropped experience here. You got Alexi Olenek, the ageless wonder, coming off back-to-back losses, I believe, going up against Sergei Spivak, the polar bear. back wins. A guy yeah. who I am personally a fan of, but I recognize he's had his faltering moments as well. I believe his two losses in the UFC are to Walt Harris and Marcin Tibera. Yep. Both of those, I mean, the Harris – Lost Harris is, at that time was surging. Marcin Tibera lost though, looking a little better now that Tibera has been really moving forward in the rankings. I think this fight, it should be a fight that's fought pretty much completely on the ground. I mean, just based on these two styles, but uh, I don't know. I, I I can't say that on paper this fight comes off as a as a barn burner of a matchup or anything like that. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I do. I I knew you were gonna have the same sentiment, but uh, I guess if I had to ask you, Dominic, what plays a bigger factor in this matchup, based on how you see it going in your head? Does the experience of Olenek or the kind of youthful um, athleticism of Spivak play the bigger factor here? I'm actually going with the latter. I think Serge, Sergey being the younger guy more athletic guy, going to come in with more power. You don't want to grapple with Olenek. No matter how good Spivak is on the ground, you don't want to do it because you're going to get choked out. He's going to squeeze your head off like he does those watermelons. You just you don't want no part of it. But if you're looking at Olenek's last outing where he just got starched on the feet very quickly by Chris Dawkins, if you're Sergey, maybe you don't quite have the boxing like Dawkins does. He's a great prospect right now. But you surely you want to come in and just get rid of him quick. He showed so many vulnerabilities. <laughs> vulnerabilities in his last two outings getting KO TKO'd you probably want to do it here if you're Sergey for Olenek you know what he's going to come out and do he's going to come out try and grab you put you against the fence take you down and then squeeze one of your limbs until you either tap or you go to sleep that, that's what he does it's crazy he's literally got like 46 submission victories or something it's now here nuts. now here's the real question the real question here is oh boy Alexi Olenek yeah, I, I didn't really even think of it. It just kind of dawned on me. This guy was our inaugural pilot episode. Let's talk about event. him and Derek Lewis. Yeah. So shouldn't we be rooting for this guy? Well, considering after his last <laughs> outing, I called for him to retire. Uh, I find myself in an odd spot, huh? It might but be you know, more of a more of an old yeller where it's like you love him, but sometimes you just gotta gotta put him away. You, gotta, you know, I don't know. He, <laughs> I will say. For Sergey, Olexi is ranked number 15. So Sergey's trying to crack in to the rankings at heavyweight right now. That's very fresh, a lot of fresh names. So there's added motivation here for both guys because Olenek, can you bounce back? Because if you lose here, 
it's probably going to be it. Let's be real. The UFC, unless you're Andre Arlovsky, they they don't keep around these heavyweight dudes that go on losing streaks. Arlovsky's an outlier, and he still wins today. So I'll cut your boy some slack. And if you're Sergey, you're trying to come in, crack the rankings, put on a performance against one of the biggest names that you fought, definitely would be your biggest win. Important fight for two opposite reasons. We say it all the time, and uh, this is just another one of those cases right here. I agree. And I, I do agree with your answer about uh, Speedbox kind of youthful athleticism being a, a bigger factor here. It seems Olenek has struggled a bit like in his previous bout with kind of the, the youth movement that's coming through the heavyweight division. Um, I think another factor here is just what you kind of laid out. Olenek is ranked number 15. Yeah. But there's there's no way right in this guy's head that he thinks that he's ever fighting for a UFC title. No, not now. Spivak can still have those aspirations. So when you look at who's got more to gain from this matchup, Spivak has got to be licking his chops. 100%. I have a chance to crack into the top 15 over against a guy who arguably isn't really a top 15 heavyweight at this point. Yeah. But it's one of those, you know, where the rankings haven't quite removed him yet. So Spivak is just sitting there like he's already close, but – this is guy. He's got to be licking his chops. Like this is my way in. While for Olenek, he really has nothing except to treat it like my career's on the line, I guess. But like even then, he should be kind of considering or contemplating retirement at this point. Well, so mm-hmm. I just struggle to find the motivation for Olenek compared to Spivak here. Well, and just an added piece too for Spivak. This is going to be his biggest fight ever in terms of uh, he's a co-main event slot of a really good fight night headliner. It's a big deal for him. His biggest opportunity yet in the UFC. We'll see if he capitalizes. Yeah, I'm a little surprised this is the co-main because the next fight we're going to talk about is probably the fight I'm most excited for on this undercard. Yeah, Marlon Chita Vera going up against Davey Grant. Davey Grant, man, this is a guy that we've been kind of sleeping on through his last couple performances, but he has, throughout his career, never been – the knockout artist, but these last two fights, yeah. he has put people to sleep. Two straight bonuses, three fight yep. win streak overall. This yeah. dude's riding hot. And um, the fact that he's kind of putting that complete package together right now is very scary. And I think that's what the UFC recognizing that, putting him up against a good test and Marlon Vera. Vera has become a much more well known fighter, but for those of you that aren't aware, he was the guy that kind of took. The Sugar Show, yeah, off the air, at least for now, momentarily, yeah. But he, 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 you know, that was a, that was arguably his first test in the UFC was against Marlon Vera, and he so looked great. Shot Marlon him, well, Vera, yeah. So Shot O'Malley gets kind of derailed there. Yeah, Vera cracking into the top fifteen because of that. After that, though, you see his loss to Jose Aldo, where. You know, Aldo is a big step up, and that was a tough fight. But, um, you know, it just showed to me that, like, okay, Vera's good, but is he top 10 in the division good? I'm not so sure about that. Well, and that was so, a great fight until the third round. Yeah, that's true. But then I mean, it was just odd. I agree it was a good fight, but it was no doubt for me that Aldo was winning pretty much well, the majority of it. It still showed the levels of where Vera is. That's what I'm currently. saying. Is I, I look at Vera's that 11 to 15 range. If uh, I don't know if he's still ranked or not. Ranked 15. Yeah. He's ranked 15. 
So Davey Grant, this is a great test for Davey. You're really capitalizing on the momentum for him if you're the UFC right here by putting him here. Okay, this guy has shown in the past to be really good in his submissions, but lately he's knocking people out. Let's not let's why not give him a test? Yeah, with Marlon Barra, who's one of the most durable fighters in the whole division. Exactly. And see, can he put together a full three round performance? I'm sure he can, but I, I look forward to this fight for sure. I think, I mean, outside of the main event, clearly, I think that fight's going to be fight of the night if it lasts longer than a round. But this one right here is going to be a fight that's slept on. It's not really getting talked about even throughout fight week. This is a low-key banger right here. I think it's going to be nonstop action on the feet, a lot of uh, very good back-and-forth exchanges. Excited to see if Grant can rise to the occasion and if Vera can shut down the height and get back to winning ways. Douglas Lima, Bellator fighter who had just lost his title, his brother steps into the octagon this Saturday, yeah. looking to avenge the the Lima name right now. But it, and he's a veteran, you know, but he's going up against a true legend of the UFC, Matt Brown, mm. OH stand up, I O uh, baby. You know, is this fight going to be great? I think it's going to be sloppy fun. I really do. Oh yeah. Matt yeah. Brown at this point, this guy just does not care. No, not his no. fight with Miguel Baeza, as much as we love Baeza, Matt Brown was the brought he, it. He debatably won that first round yeah. before early in the second, you know, it elbows. Yeah, Al. Uh, but uh Brown still has he shows that like even though he'll end up getting like knocked out or losing the fight in some fashion. He always shows these moments where it's like he turns back the clock. Yeah. In like every fight, like every fight, there's like a moment where you're just like, that's the Matt Brown that nearly fought for a title back when like Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks were kind of playing tug of war over the welterweight division. Yep. And to go up against Diego Lima, who, let's be honest, he's he's the less uh, accomplished of these Lima brothers. For sure. But former tough who, alumnus. Yeah, a guy who in in his really had to climb his way to being kind of relevant in the UFC. I mean, at one point in time, this guy's UFC record was one and five. Yeah. And now I believe he's at four and six. So kind of showing that he's he's steadily improving. But otherwise, I think this could be a really fun scrap. I just I don't have I wouldn't put much uh on it in terms of I wouldn't put any money on this fight, first off. Because I couldn't be super confident one way or another who's going to win this. True. Uh, and then two, I, I don't, I don't see a ton of technique being displayed here. I think you're going to see just kind of a wild scrap for as long as it goes. Yeah, this is definitely going to be wild. Lima coming off that loss to Bilal Muhammad, and he mm. kind of just got styled on in that one. To be fair, Muhammad looked incredible in that bout, but still, yeah. now going up against the veteran and Matt Brown. A good test here for Diego to see if he can compete with some of these legends of the fight game for Matt Brown. This fight almost reminds me of the uh, Olenek and Spivak fight, to be truthful. A super seasoned vet that's been there and done that against a younger guy. Yes, Lima, a little more experienced in the UFC than Spivak, but still, it's a huge test. A guy seemingly on his way out against uh, Diego Lima here, who still has at least aspirations of a top 15 run. So it definitely will be fun. Maybe not the most crisp and technical, as Noah mentioned, but uh, it's going to be wild for however long it lasts. <laughs> you could have, I probably could have put "Let There Be Blood" as the 
headline for that one. Uh, last one here. Going to be a one, one maybe some people are surprised about if you look at the, the fight card. This is Dare I say, Noah, chaotic. Oh, nice. <laughs> Definitely chaotic, low-key banger, as we yes. like to throw around a lot. Uh, this one's buried on the prelims, though. Chaos Williams, who I thought everybody in the MMA community and in the UFC, I thought we were all on the same page. They're like, this guy's exciting. He's fun. Put him on a main card. Yeah, yeah. but apparently not because this right. guy gets buried against Matthew Semmelsberger, who also is coming off a 16-second knockout of Jason Witt. This fight should be quick. It should be violent. It should be powerful. I am looking very much forward to this. And I don't want to overstate, I guess, the power that these two guys have. I mean, it's it's there. But Chaos Williams showed in his fight with Michelle Pereira. I know he lost that fight. But he showed a lot to me that he can really kind of hang in there for three rounds. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's not just power for this guy. He does have some – he's still improving. But he, he's got athletic. some good – he's got a good skill set right now. Yeah. And Semmelsberger, I don't know as much about him, but that knockout over Jason Witt, very impressive. And, you know, it's it's the right kind of matchup for these two. Two power punchers that had very highlight real-level performances over the last year. Mm-hmm. But it's so, so shocked that this is being buried on a main card. When There's some fights on this on, – excuse me, on the undercard. Yeah. There's some fights on this main card we're not even talking about. And this one that's probably the third from the bottom gets – billing here for us yeah i mean poor chaos the guy loses to a very game opponent by the way michelle Pereira, and they bury yeah. him it's just, that's crazy chaos had so much momentum before that fight i still like the guy lost but it was a decision it was a really good three-round fight let's not just do away with chaos williams for god's sake we call him chaos uh and for Simmelsberger, this is a very good test two guys that are going to come in stand and bang will it go three rounds i have a hard time saying yes to that but uh however long it lasts this is a low-key banger potential fight of the night here as well. Again, I know we're doing the breakdowns of these a little differently now starting today, but we always talk about you know certain fights, no matter what the name value is, they can still deliver. That's or what, you know, especially like Vera and Grant, Chaos versus Matthew here. These are the type of fights we love. Agreed. And I do want to make a note before we kind of wrap things up. I am siding with Dom. I think the main event will be the fight of the night. Uh-huh. I just have a hard time seeing. A Should it last there. long enough? Anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see there being a finish in that main event. I don't, um, and I think that kind of lends itself to be a showcase for both guys. And I'm hoping, I'm praying, hoping and praying, we get a fight of the year type type showing there. If that goes five rounds, my body will not be ready. I can assure you that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna wrap it up here for our first ever weekend preview. Yeah that i say it like that but you know it i hope you guys can kind of see as we came along here this is very much what it's going to be kind of like we'll be doing a weekend recap on monday that'll be somewhat similar obviously we won't be uh previewing fights besides yeah i was about to talk about this that sneaky sneaky pfl who decides to do their cards on thursday the same day we record right friday episodes so we will be doing PFL previews and recaps on Monday. So we'll be recapping Rory McDonald's fight and anything else that happens um, for the card that at this point you guys already know what's happened, but we'll, right. we'll, we'll recap it on Monday and preview the PFL following. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what's coming up. And then obviously 
next week's a two episode week. So Friday will be another um, weekend preview. There's a, a Bellator card, UFC, Gon Volkov. Yeah. Really good, really good headliner there. Um, so a lot to get into. Obviously, we talked about PFL on Monday. And we're going to make these previews even better. Again, this came up last minute, that, but overall, like in terms of longevity for the podcast, this is just a better step for us to take. Uh, I'm curious to see if you guys like this. Let us know what you think. Uh, obviously, too, there's no Bellator this week, so we only went over UFC Vegas 29. But in a week where there's Bellator, maybe even a really good one fight, we'll discuss all of it and hit kind of all the major fights that stand out to us, of course, like I said, no bell tour this week, so it was only UFC Vegas 29. But you guys get the gist. You'll get more comfortable. Come next week, it'll look a little bit more how we envision it uh, in the future. Yeah, give us your thoughts, whether you like this concept, whether you hate it. If there's things you want to see improved upon or changed. Yeah, let us know. It would be nice to know. I'm not saying we're going to do it, but uh, it would be nice to get input, feedback. You know. Yep. Um, but until then, Dominic. Tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram, at Diesley14. More importantly, you better get your asses over and follow the podcast <laughs> at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NTBaker underscore. If you go to my bio, there's a link to our link tree. It gives you everything from the social media for below average shows to the links to the platforms we're on like uh, Spotify, Google, Apple podcasts, YouTube channel links on there. So anywhere you want to watch this, you can just go to that link in my bio at NT Baker underscore on Instagram and Twitter, but that's it. We're out. We'll see y'all on Monday. <laughs>